everyone. I'm Ashley Griffin, your theatrical Hermione Granger. A few weeks ago, I wrote an article for Onstage about separating the art from the artist. It's gotten a lot of response, and so I wanted to do a companion podcast episode where we can do a deeper dive into some of the questions and issues discussed. And I'm so honored to be joined by Chris Peterson, the founder and head of the Onstage Network, for this discussion. So, hi, Chris. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic. I've been a guest on your podcast, but this is the first time that you've been on mine. So I'm very, right? I'm thrilled to have you. Definitely. Oh my gosh. No, it's, it's great to be here because I mean, honestly, this has become really a popular podcast on our network because it just provides such a great discussion resource for so many people uh, from so many different backgrounds. So yeah, no, great. thrilled to be here. Thank you. Um, so I wrote this article. If people haven't read it, um, Chris is going to link it below um, this podcast in the description. Mm -hmm. But basically, there's been a lot of discussion in the world and in the arts right now, although I hadn't seen it as much in the theater community as the film community, about, especially in the post-Me Too movement, how do we or should we separate art from the artist? You you know, like for example, how do you watch the Cosby show now knowing the things about Bill Cosby that, you know, he's done. It's become a really big thing with people very vocal and, um, kind of intensely supporting their opinion on both sides. And I hadn't really seen, I'm sure there are many out there, but I personally hadn't really seen a really analytical nuanced discussion about it. Um, and then I saw the documentary, um, I think it's it's um, Pharaoh versus Allen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that what, is this multi-part documentary about the allegations about um, Woody Allen's abuse. Uh, I feel like I have to say alleged abuse of right, his right. adopted daughter, Dylan Pharaoh. Um, I highly recommend that everybody check it out. It is very intense. Um, but I just kind of, I saw it and I started to become overwhelmed by feeling like I, feeling very called to speak about it. And then I felt like maybe I'm not the person to talk about it because I, you think that you should have somebody neutral talking about it. And what I I shared a little bit of in the article is that I share um, personal experiences very similar to that of Dylan Farrow's and something that kind of, I, it really hit me personally watching it was a lot of the tactics that Alan used in his case, um, were identical to ones that my person used. And I started to wonder, because my person was a big Woody Allen fan, quoted them all the time and whatnot, if they had literally taken the playbook of Woody Allen when um, my allegations came up. But then I started to think maybe I'm the perfect person to talk about it because I understand both sides. I have experienced abuse at the hands of an a wannabe artist, albeit certainly not somebody as well-known as Woody Allen. Um, I also have art that I really, really love and has really deeply affected me that it then came out was created by very problematic artists. Um, So I just sort of did a deep dive into that, and it seems to have kind of taken on a life of its own. And you would probably know a little better than... I don't get all of the feedback and whatnot and, and things that have come up, but you told me it's like being used in college classes and stuff now. Yeah, no, that's that's been really the 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 most pleasant surprise. I mean, you know, typically when we put out, um, you know, your pieces and some other pieces that you know really are kind of really well thought out and really fleshed out and really answer 
ask tough questions and answer tough questions, um, we get we get a wide range of, of response. And some people, you know, agree. Uh, some people disagree. But you know, I'm always sure. interested to see where those responses are coming from. And with your piece in particular, um, you know, one person wrote in that um, they were going to use this article in kind of their lesson plan uh, for basically <laughs> their entire semester. Uh, wow, that was amazing. Semester. Yeah, and. And I think it's important because I think what's what's you know awesome about your work, and again, you know the fact that no one really is talking about it at um, you know kind of this level is mm-hmm. is really exploring that topic and and answering that that tough question of, of appreciating the art and at the same time you know recognizing the artist and and understanding the the imperfections and and the you know what could potentially you know who this person was does it impact the art does it make the art less brilliant I mean all the it's a tough discussion but it, it deserves i think well thought out researched content and and that's what you're you're bringing which is awesome well thank you um i i it, it's interesting because you know in our in our world today it's very easy to you know start having conversations and arguments and whatnot online and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think sometimes and i feel i can say it in this case because i have been personally affected by something similar. It's helpful to step back and using empathy for both sides, really look at both sides of the argument and then like have an intellectual breakdown and conversation about it that certainly can be fueled by emotions. Mine was. Um, But like, let's talk about all the nuances of it um, so that we can hopefully come together and, you know, you know, sort of, sort of look at a very difficult issue. What, what's your experience been with this issue? Cause it's a, it's a complex thing. And it's something that I feel like the conversation has only really been in the zeitgeist relatively recently. Yeah, no, it's, it's been interesting, especially, you know, when you're, when you're working with, with, especially within the theater industry, the professional theater industry, especially on Broadway, which is, you know, for a lot of people who don't know is extraordinarily smaller than you would think. Yeah. And, you know, and, the biggest problem we've had is, you know, since Me Too and, and Time's Up really started gaining steam, and you started to see these these individuals, these men who had done uh, or been alleged uh, of terrible things in the past, how the industry really didn't respond um, well. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they just really haven't. I mean, it was, you know, uh, I'll just use this as an example. I mean, in February, beginning of February, um, at the, of that year, Ben Vereen's allegations came out, and then yeah. within a less than a hundred days, you know, you saw pictures on Playbill.com of him being backstage at uh, Once on This Island and being, yeah. you know, embraced by the cast. And you know, every time these pieces come out, you definitely see a subsection of comments of people saying, you know what, terrible, but I still love this person in this show, or I still, you know, I'm still going to buy tickets and go see him in X, X, Y, and Z. So yeah. it's it's unfathomable to me that mm-hmm. that people often can't separate or, or, or refuse to um you know kind of i guess eliminate that person from from their mindset when they're watching certain works or buying tickets and things like that but yeah. um you know we're gonna see we're gonna this this topic is gonna come up again this coming year with uh, the West Side Story movie that's coming out because you know Ansel Elgort had some pretty nasty allegations that came out about him last year. Mm. So it's just it's a it's one of those revolving things. And I honestly I don't it, it's it just every single time it just shocks me. It really does. Well, I think I think it's a complicated thing for for many reasons. Um, 
Two, well, here, here's two of them. Um, and one of them, I think it relates to not just artists, but any time that you find out something really awful about somebody you know, trust, and care about. Um, because I see the same phenomenon when it's out of the arts world and, you know, you find out, you know, your beloved uncle or your sibling or your cousin, like some, I don't know, somebody within your personal circle has done really terrible things and you've only known them in a wonderful capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a similar thing of not wanting to believe that this wonderful person that you love has this other side and has done these things. And that kind of comes out with a lot of victim blaming, a lot of not believing victims and survivors. Um, and I think it holds true with the arts as well. It's interesting. One of the things I mentioned in my article was I love the Cosby show. And once everything about Bill Cosby came out, I couldn't watch the Cosby show anymore. And that was not, that, that was not like me sitting down and analytically being like, I, you know, cannot do this anymore. It was that every time a clip came on, I felt kind of icky because I started thinking, oh my God, like what was he doing when they yelled cut? What about all these beautiful, gorgeous young women that were constantly on this show? Like the, and those are things that you can't control. And I Mm -hmm. think that one of the reasons probably that people so so vehemently start defending complete separation is because they don't, they don't want to feel that way. They want their beloved art and their beloved people to, you know, stay beloved. You know, there's, after I wrote the article, I actually went back and did start watching some of the Cosby show again, because I was curious how I would feel about it after, you know, diving into it. And I, I, found that I was, I was able to watch it a little differently. I still feel icky about a lot of things, but other things I I'm still finding the, the love there. And I think some of it is, let's take the Cosby show as an example I, growing up, I always wanted to believe that if I went to that street in Brooklyn and like knocked on the door of that house, there would be this wonderful, loving family there mm-hmm. that, you know, that just existed and that like you could hope that that was like, you know, it's a TV show, obviously, but you know, that, that that's possible and you can keep the fantasy that that kind of loving, safe environment exists. It's one of the reasons that we love art and we love television shows and things. And to have that kind of destroyed and taken away and you to find out that that's not the case at all, it's, it's really hard and it's really scary because it causes you to then start questioning everything in the world. Right, you know, who, right. who don't I know that has done this and who do I trust and can you trust anybody? And it raises all these other very personal questions, which are very difficult to wrestle with. But as a survivor, I've, I've had to wrestle with them from a young age. And I think it's difficult, but necessary for all of us to wrestle with it because it's going to help us. It sounds corny, but like, you know, make the world a better place so that we can yeah. hopefully not be dealing with these things. But um, and then there was another thing I was going to say that I don't quite remember what it, oh, 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 it was that I do think that there, there ideally should be a difference between accountability culture and cancel culture. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of what cancel culture has become. And I think, I think because for so long allegations were completely ignored, which is horrific, We've kind of swung the other way where anytime anybody mentions 
anything in any medium, it's condemnation. It's, it's a strike of condemnation. Right. Right. Um, which I also think is not necessarily the way to go. I think every human being is nuanced. Every situation is nuanced. Um, so I would hope that we could move toward accountability culture, which is very necessary as opposed to just uh, kind of blacklisting anybody with, you know, any comment somewhere about something, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. which again gets complicated. And I, I always, um, am standing with believe survivors and everything, but I do think that it's, it's a, it's a complicated thing. And we sort of live in a world now where I, I feel like all of us are suffering a bit from not a hundred percent knowing what the truth is in any given situation. What, cause you know, news has become entertainment. Um, we're ruled by algorithms and yeah. I think that's a very scary place to be in, and I think all this plays into to all of these issues. So, yeah, I think I, I think you're making a great point there, and I think the biggest problem that I've I, I should say problem I should, I should challenge more or less is the fact that you know I'm watching a lot of things, and it's it's hard to yeah. Separate because you know I'll just use this as an example. I mean, uh, I was recently just you know binge watching Parks and Recreation, and mm-hmm. you've got Aziz Asnari on there, and you know I'll be the first person to say that like I didn't like the way that his his allegations came out. I didn't like the way they were reported. There were a lot of the way it was reported left a lot of holes to be poked yeah. and. Um, I, I honestly don't know how I feel, but at the same time, just like your reaction to the, you know, watching other things like the Cosby show, every time he is being, cause his character is very much of a, you know, uh, kind of a misogynistic, like, you know, hitting on women yeah. constantly, yeah. You, you, that thought is constantly in the back of your head of, right. you know, and it's, it's really tough. And I think that. You know, it's, a lot of people say it's easy. To, well, just ignore him or just appreciate everything around that person instead of yeah. the person themselves. And that's easier said than done. And yeah, um, and I agree with you 100%. I think the problem that we've had with this, you know, if, if people want to call it cancel culture, um, is that we tend to have the same punishment or verdict for everything. Yeah. There's no nuance anymore. It's if you say a negative comment, if you say something that is perceived as a racist comment, if you do something that's uh, somehow sexual harassment, you lose your job, you're yeah. ba- you know banned on Twitter or you're you know hunted down on social media, things like that. And the problem is, is that I feel like the people that really do terrible things are kind of being lumped together with other things and therefore not right. getting the the proper attention. Does that, I, mean, I don't know if that makes sense, but oh, that makes, yeah. that makes a hundred percent complete sense. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a hard thing. And I think there's, there's two things that came to mind with what, for me, with what you were talking about. And one is the sort of, we protect our own mentality that, I mean, it's everywhere, but especially in the arts and in sports and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this, a lot of this boils down to two separate issues. I think one is, one is a choice and one is a feeling. And I think that we need to separate those two things. The feeling is how you feel consuming a given artist's work and that you don't have a choice about. Um, You know, if you feel icky consuming that art, you might not like that feeling. It might frustrate you, but like, that's the feeling you have. It might not always be the feeling that you have, but I think rather than trying to sort of suppress it 
it's it's a good thing to, to sort of acknowledge it. Be like, cool, right. this is how right. I'm feeling. I might not always feel this way, but for now, I'm just going to acknowledge that this is how I'm feeling. And the reverse is true as well. You know, if you are still able to watch something and you feel the same edification from it, you always did. And it's really helpful to you for whatever way. I I don't think you should necessarily be beating yourself up that like, oh, I'm still consuming this thing and I don't feel bad. It's like, great. If you're still getting joy out of it, that's wonderful. That's what we all wish. You know, don't beat yourself up about it. Feelings you can't, you don't really have a choice about. So just acknowledge whatever your feelings are, however you're legitimately feeling is fine. Don't try to take actions because you're angry about how you're feeling, (laughs) you know, just sort of acknowledge that. But then there's another side of the conversation that is a choice. And that has to do, I think, with supporting the artist. And that's when you get into the, oh, but we need to keep casting them or hiring them because they're a commodity and because we can earn Mm -hmm. money from them and, and whatnot. And that's, that's when I think there need to be things that are more important than making a buck. Um, you know, <laughs> yep. and the, you know, I just, I think about like the protests outside of the West side story revival. Um, when I, I think it's like, you know, let's, let's, that's an important moment to look at what, you know, sorry to sound all business like here, but to look at what the consumer actually wants mm-hmm. and, you know, and so that's why at the end, the basic summation that I have, I have a lot of summations in the article, but the basic summation I have is just be intelligent about how you consume art, regardless of whether you're going to consume it or not. And if you're, if you, if you want to consume art created by a problematic artist, maybe find ways of doing that, that aren't going to personally benefit that artist, like check a book out of a library or a DVD out of a library or, you know, or whatnot. And And an example I give is, you know, Picasso was a really problematic person. Um, Go watch Hannah Gadsby's wonderful special on the net for more details on that. But if I had millions of dollars to go buy a Picasso painting, I'm not personally benefiting Picasso. But if I go buy a ticket to see a Woody Allen movie, I am personally benefiting Woody Allen and money is going in his pocket and money, regardless of what you think about the, um, the allegations against him, you know, I know there's still some controversy about that, but regardless, he used money that he made to hire his lawyers, to hire a PR rep who dictated what the, um, narrative was about him and whatnot. And he was using his money for potentially problematic things. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that's one way that we can go about making a choice about separating the art from artist in a way that's separate from how we might personally be feeling about it um, and wanting to consume or not consume right. work. And I think to that point, I think, you know, with those mediums of, you know, whether it's, you know, visual art or, you know, film and things like that mm-hmm. to your point. Yes, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that there are ways to do that where you're not benefiting the artist, you know, and, and you, you and I both know very well in theater, that's that's increasingly becoming harder to do and you know especially you know you used west side story as a a great example of this you know it's one of those things where it's like you you know and that's why i didn't necessarily um boy i I didn't recommend boycotting the show because 
you know, you yeah. did have a problematic cast member, but you also had 21 people that were making their Broadway debut. Right. And you're talking about hundreds of other jobs. And, you know, obviously since the news has come out that the producer of that show, Mr. Scott Rudin, has mm-hmm. also had his issues and whatnot. Um, yep. You know, it, it's just one of those like, oh, God, I don't, I don't want to benefit these problematic people but at the same time they've latched themselves onto so many others that that need that support and that's why i think you know i wrote an article that kind of kicked off a lot of the discussion where i said just don't clap either don't clap or boo during the curtain call right and um that that will make a loud enough statement i guess um in, in certain ways that you can appreciate everybody else on that stage except for those problematic people um right. so that i i agree i think there's there's smart ways to do it um, all over the place, which I think is awesome. And, you know, I think, again, it's just, it's such a complex question, but no, I, what I've, what I've, and I, I'm sure you feel the same way. Mm-hmm. What I'm frustrated by is no one's sitting down to really have this discussion of how do we tackle this subject and how do we move forward and, and whatnot. But I, I do yeah. feel like this article is, is a great, great like resource for that discussion. Well, thank you. And yeah, I, I really I want to really go on the record and say I do not believe in blacklisting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do believe that everybody, you know, has the right to earn a living. Um, that being said, I, I, you know, I think that there needs to be some sort of middle ground here. Like, I'm certainly not advocating, like, never hire people again and never give them the ability to have any job whatsoever. Maybe that work should be in a different field. Yep. Potentially. Um, go sell cars, go sell insurance. Like, you know, you don't have to, you know, if you, if, if someone was problematic on Broadway, that does not mean they have to ever be on Broadway again, but it doesn't mean they can't get a job. I mean, go ahead. Well, the other element to that is, I feel like some of this should be a moot point because I feel like a lot of these people should be in jail. Right. And I think that that's part of the problem, you know, but Bill is Bill Cosby is still in prison. Is that correct? Okay. So I feel like, you know, for example, that's maybe a a good example of this. You know, Bill Cosby is did really terrible things and is not in a place where he can continue to make art. Um, I think there's a lot of other people out there who maybe should also be in prison. And part of the problem is that they haven't received justice. Um, And so they're out there still creating problematic art, which gets even more hairy when the art that they're creating contains their problematic elements to begin with. Mm -hmm, You -hmm. know, um, for example, you know, Woody Allen if you look at all his allegations, then you go look at his movies. He has a lot of movies where he let's let's just basically call it for what it is, where his character is dating children. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I think that that's a whole other issue when the problematic activity shows up in the art that they're creating. You know, um, in West Side Story, the character of um, he no he was playing Bernardo. He wasn't playing Riff. Okay, so never mind on that. But um, it's that's that's the other thing is when we're also supporting artists whose problematic elements are are showing up in their work mm-hmm. and they're being rewarded for that. Um, and I mean, again, it's also still nuanced. It's you know, has this person done the work they need to? Have they actually you know, do they actually feel sorry? Do they actually acknowledge that they've done something wrong? Have they actually done the work that they need to do? Um, but 
I don't know. I mean, I know what it's like to have, to be connected to somebody who, you know, was not doing great things to me and then was also out there creating art. And it felt horrific. And I really related a lot to what Dylan Farrow said about it felt like, you know, them being given a voice was silencing me. Mm -hmm. Um, It felt like I, you know, needed to shut up because it was maybe potentially causing problems. And then, you know, I, I think, I think that that's, that's very problematic as well. But I do think that it needs to be taken on a case by case basis. I do think that we need to separate what is a feeling versus what is an action and a choice. And I think that those haven't really been separated in the conversation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I also think we need to, we need to listen better, I Mm -hmm. think. And, you know, I think the problem is, is when these allegations come up, everybody's very quick to investigate and try to pick apart and try to figure out if it's true or not and things like that. And I think the problem is, is that, you know, after, you know, apologies are made and after, you know, there's no discussion about, okay, so what do we do to prevent this in the future? What steps can we take to prevent this in the future? Um, We've seen this incredibly warranted, deserved kind of action plan for across the nation for theaters to kind of look at systemic racism within Mm -hmm. their organizations. And I think that's amazing and should be done, but we haven't done the same for sexual harassment. We haven't done the same for sexual assault. And, you know, I think that that absolutely needs to be in the conversation. I think we need to talk to victims and survivors and, you know, uh, to find out how we can prevent these things from happening again. Um, and to look out for the warning signs. But but to your point, going back all the way back to when you said about, you know, believing information now, and we're in this era mm-hmm. of questioning everything that we're being told, it's it's like this is the best time for all this to, to come out and also the worst time for all this stuff to come out because of right. just where we are in society nowadays. I am really grateful that it's coming out because I oh, think yeah. we're much, I mean, it's certainly not perfect by any means, but we're much more at a place where we can speak out and say, you know, this, this is happening or this happened. And, you know, for a very long time, I didn't feel that I could ever say anything about what happened to me because of the response that I would get, um, that I didn't feel that it was safe to. And now it's, you know, it's, it's something that happened to me. I'm not, you know, like trying to keep it hidden. I'm also not, you know, shouting from the rooftops, the details of my experience or whatnot, but Mm -hmm. it's a, I think we're hopefully at a place where, it's, I mean, that's what's so great about the Me Too movement is it suddenly was like, oh my gosh, it's not just me. Right, um, right. But I do I do think that there needs to be more value given to people feeling uncomfortable. You know, I've, I've been a performer, I've been a writer, I've been a director, and the bottom line is, at least as far as I'm concerned, like if I'm directing a piece, if somebody comes up to me and says they're uncomfortable with X, Y, or Z, it's not my job to judge whether I think that on being uncomfortable is a warranted feeling or not. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it doesn't matter. They're uncomfortable. What are we going to do to rectify the situation? And I feel like there's, there's so much emphasis on, and I think a lot of it is because largely at least the people that are in the foreground of our collective consciousness, the abusers have been prominent men, um, of, you know, that whole, that old chestnut of, you know, well, you know, we don't want to make them uncomfortable. We don't want to damage their reputation. We don't want to damage their livelihood. 
And there's far more emphasis on we don't want to make them uncomfortable than we care that you're uncomfortable and we're going to do something about that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so I agree. And I think, you know, when we're talking about, because a lot of times these conversations you know, and when you bring up these topics and, and you're having discussions, a lot of people want to say like, okay, well, what's the solution? Okay, then like, what's right. the answer? And right. I think the problem is, is that it's, it's, it's undefined at this point. I think it's one of those things that we just have to keep talking about or keep addressing um, and, and keep, keep kind of at the forefront because um, yeah, there's, it's, just, it's not going to come down to a, a three-step action plan that that's going to be the answer and things like that. I think it, it, there's a complexity there about how people view art and, and achievements. Yeah. I mean, you know, trending, we're recording this on a, on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and literally on Twitter, like right now trending is um, Michael Jackson is innocent or Michael Jackson is framed. And it's this whole yeah. you know movement about like how, you know, separating the, the, the art from the artist and things like that. And it's just, it's just, it's a mindset that, that people yeah. just have to reverse. So it, it's, I don't think it's going to be answered anytime soon. I'm, and it's like, I think that's a good thing. Cause it, again, yeah. it keeps it in the forefront and it keeps it to being talked about. Well, I think we have a tendency to look at issues in our society along a strict binary. Um, like you either separate the art from the artist or you don't. And then I'm thinking of other, you know, other issues that are in, our, our world right now of, you know, I mean, like, like gun rights, like either there should be no like gun laws and everybody is entitled to them or, you know, X or right, right. only, only, um, pe- people should only play roles that they personally identify as, or absolutely not. That's ridiculous. And I think, I, th- I think that we get into problems when we look at everything on a strict binary, because I think every human being is unique. I think every situation is unique, but the problem is that we have to create legislation and we have to create rule books and whatnot kind of along a binary. You can't, you can't create rules that are different in every situation. And I think that that's what gets us into tricky territory. The thing that really, I think frustrates me the most is being an artist and talking about this specifically in the arts world our job is, is empathy. Our job is to help other people experience empathy for situations and people that they might never have felt that way about before. Mm -hmm. Our job is to feel empathy for the people that we're playing, um, to have empathy for our fellow collaborators. And yet all of the stuff we're talking about is because of like, I feel a lack of empathy, um, of a not listening to people, a not wanting to relate to certain experiences that feel uncomfortable. Um, and I don't know, I just sort of wish that there was more grace and empathy looking into these issues, Mm -hmm. um, because everybody's so angry and rightfully so there's a lot of things to be very angry about, but every case is different. Um, if we start getting, I mean, we start getting into really extreme binaries on the one hand, it's anybody that anybody ever said anything bad about is blacklisted from the community. Um, and on the other hand, it's just ignore what everybody did because that's their personal life and art is different. And neither of those things I think are a healthy way to think about it. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, what are the biggest difficulties and frustrations that you see with this issue, um, in general with people that you talk to or specific issues or whatnot? Oh gosh. You know, I think for me, it's, 
I think it comes back to just being people plant their flag in the sand way too quick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they do that and, and therefore like they do that early on and nothing you can say will convince them otherwise. There's no evidence you can show them. There's no, um, like even if you point out contradictions in their, their stance, it's not going to change them. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to stop doing it that way. I mean, I, I, I don't want people to get confused with like having principles and, and hearts of principles about oneself, but you know, when it comes to believing or not believing or, you know, making declarative points about someone's work or their reputation or, or their allegations and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, try to stop and, and do your own research. Don't let social yeah. media you know, drive. And I think, you know, there are, you know, a, a number of, we see crimes that take place that, you know, the first video that comes out on social media, like, that's what we're going to accept as the truth and yeah. without, without delving deeper. Um, one thing that drives me nuts, and this is a, a minor pet peeve of mine, but like when I put on social media, like, Oh my God, I can't believe something X, Y happened. And the first co- comment I get is what happened. I'm like, yeah. well, no, go search for yourself. Google, go Google it. Like, you know, it's like we we've stopped exploring. We've stopped being curious. We stopped investigating. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's been my biggest frustration is just people, planting their flags way too quick and, and not moving and not, and not yeah. changing. I wish that we, as a, as a society as a whole, we're better able to sit down and have real empathetic conversations with each other about issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like that doesn't, it doesn't mean that your principles are going to change or it doesn't mean that your ideas are necessarily going to change. Who knows? They might. Um, but it means coming to somebody else with respect for them as an equal human being to you and trying with everything you can to understand their point of view and empathize with them. And that's not the same thing as changing your principles or your beliefs, but it's allowing you to engage and have a a kind, graceful conversation. And I feel like we're not, we're not taught and we're not given opportunities or examples of how to do that. Because uh-huh. um, we live, we live in a society where everything is entertainment. Everything is, you know, and it's more it, 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 where news is entertainment. Right. And 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 with algorithms, we're always being driven toward things that express the same beliefs that we have, um, even if the like it's debatable whether those those news outlets are even being truthful or not. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even I, I remember there was some news clip or something that somebody I saw posted that horrified me. And I then, we then found out that it was using deep fake technology, you know, and it's like, how do you, how do you totally know? And the heart of it is let's get to human connection and let's get to having conversations. Um, but part of that is respecting people and respecting feelings. And if somebody is saying that they feel unsafe or they feel uncomfortable, that that should be more important than finances or the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and likewise, if you're still comfortable consuming certain art, you shouldn't have to beat yourself up about it. You know, you should, again, think about what actions you are taking and how that's affecting the person and the world and whatnot, but the actual like consumption of the art, I'm thinking about cases like, you know, Michael Jackson is problematic. Mm -hmm. I own, you know, music of his that I bought, you know, or was given or whatnot, like way before 
stuff came out or when I was too young to know about it, um, my list, pulling those up on iTunes and listening to them is not benefiting anybody. Um, so it's, that's, that's a case of, you know, is this, how do I feel about this as a person? Am I going to, you know, click on this on my iTunes or not? Right. That's a, that's a separate issue. And I think that we need to maybe separate them and, and acknowledge that it's really tragic that all this information has come out about these people because it's, I think it's a really overwhelming thing to deal with. Again, I had to deal with it at a young age of learning that somebody that I should have been able to really trust was not trustworthy, but I, but I know how difficult that is and nobody wants to feel that way. And so Mm -hmm. to, you know, feel that, that's, that's the thing I'm coming back to, like, I'm thinking of a Cosby show again. It's not, it's, it's not just that Bill Cosby did these things. It forever makes you think Heathcliff Huxtable did these things. He right. didn't. It's, it's a character on a show, but they're inexorably linked. And it's sad and it's tragic to lose that. And I think that it's okay to mourn that and to emotionally deal with that, however, is best for you. But that these are two separate issues and we need to treat them as separate issues about the actions we can choose and how, who that's benefiting and our own personal emotional state, which is something that we don't really have control over. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my two cents for whatever it's worth. I feel both sides of the argument. I wish that we didn't have to be having this conversation. Um, but I hope it's one that we can look at with grace and empathy. Yeah, but definitely. Well yeah. said. So well said. I don't know. I wish I had like an answer. I wish I had like a simple <laughs> answer. Like here is the answer for how to deal with this problem. Um, but I do think that we need to stop putting problematic people in positions where they can continue to be problematic. That's the thing. Yeah. That, that's how I would phrase it. Not able to create art or whatnot. Like all those things play into it, but in a position where they are able to still do problematic things. Um, and also glorifying them for those things that are problematic. You know, one of the things I mentioned in the article is I'm thinking of a show where a person who had a history of a very problematic history of, um, a certain behavior was cast in a lead role, um, where the character they were playing performed that behavior and the person they were playing opposite was in the demographic of, of, the people that that problematic behavior had been perpetrated against in real life. And I'm like, who made this decision? <laughs> right. Right. Um, Cause this is, this is not great. Um, and then I think the, the other thing that we maybe need to be a little graceful about is in our age of information, we sort of assume that everybody should have this information. And like in mm-hmm. that example of that, um, of that show, not everybody coming to see the show knew the personal history of that performer. And so them not being outraged, you know, let's not like, you know, jump down somebody's throat necessarily because we don't know what their experiences or what their history is or what knowledge they have. So context is important and we don't all have knowledge of the same context. So exactly. I don't know. I wish, I wish there was an easy answer for this, but, <laughs> um, but I know that it's uh, it's just an awful situation that I think we all wish we didn't have to deal with. Exactly. But, exactly. but the good news is we're leagues. I think we're leagues further along in the progress than we were two, three years ago. So it's yeah. just it's like keep the train moving, keep keep it moving because I think we're 
you know, as, as much as I think that there are, um, you know, bad things that have come out of this and, and bad social behaviors that have come out of this of, yeah. you know, that we've discussed, I think we're working towards a, you know, a greater goal. So well, said. I, also, I also think something that could be helpful. It, it's the same thing as that. I it was something that I hear like when there's like horrifically a school shooting is like, let's not give airtime to the shooter. Let's give airtime to the victims and let's learn their names and let's um, celebrate their lives. Mm-hmm. And something that I really don't see is, is that in this kind of situation, like um, in the whole New York city ballet scandal, I, I, I'm, I'm very connected to the dance community and, and that really deeply upset me when that whole thing happened. And I'm like, we're hearing a lot from about the people that did these awful things. Um, and we're certain we're hearing from the whistleblower, which I'm really glad about, but let's maybe go and talk to the women that still have to dance with some of these people that are in the company. Like how do Mm -hmm. they feel and that their feelings should be taken into account too. So I don't know, maybe expanding the conversation and giving a voice to the people that have traditionally been voiceless. Like when Dylan Farrow talked about that she felt continually silenced by every time Woody Allen was celebrated. It's one of the reasons I'm really grateful for this documentary. However you feel about it is she was a, she got at least a little bit of her voice back. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's another element that can come into play is instead of the conversation always being about the um, problematic artist, let's broaden the conversation to focus on um, the other people in the story. Totally. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like this is a little bit of a downer. I wish there was some hopeful <laughs> message at the end of this, but I guess I would just encourage everybody to have the conversation. Um, yeah. And yeah, if there's any other way I can be helpful with thoughts, I don't know, but, um, yeah, let's, let's have a conversation instead of, I don't know, other totally. things that have been happening. <laughs> totally. I agree. I agree. And thank you so much for your reporting on all of these issues because oh, I, I really, um, it, it's one reason I love being on, on stage is I feel like a lot of other news outlets are not talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've given a voice to, um, a lot of things very easily and, um, transparently and quickly. Um, and I, I personally am very appreciative of that, um, because I know what it has been like for so long to be scared about speaking out. And suddenly it feels like there's safe spaces to do that. So thank you so much for, thank you. And again, thank you to to respond. and, And of course, thank you as well. I mean, I think what's amazing is that you, your voice and your work has, um, I think been, you know, a huge contributor to how we're received, what we're known for and, and giving, giving those genuine, um, sometimes raw, sometimes, you know, um, well thought out, um, but always genuine, um, pieces and, and opinions and feelings. I think, uh, with the best of intentions, I think you're, you're definitely a leader in that. So, oh, um, so yeah. Much. Yeah, we're just, we're, you and I are just killing it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And we'll have to do this again sometime because it's always delightful to have a conversation with you. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah.